0: Modern life. Between careers, kids, and health, it can be mayhem. That's why we're here. I'm Dr. Lisa Varghese Kroll.
1: And I'm Dr. Lonray Falusi. We're physicians, moms, and longtime friends who break it all down for you. Wondering how to juggle all the balls and still stay sane? Looking for advice, but don't want to be overwhelmed?
0: Curious about how to make the most out of life for your family, but enjoy it at the same time? You're in the right place. Welcome to Health & Home with the Hippocratic Hosts. Since the start of the pandemic, more and more families have considered packing it all up and moving abroad. Today, we have part one of our discussion with Jennifer Stevens from the blog Adventurous Appetite, an American international school teacher who did just that and has now lived all over the world. Wondering what the biggest challenges are to life in a new country, the biggest benefits, and whether she'd do it all again? Keep listening to find out all that and more. Hey, Lon. Hey, Lise. I'm looking forward to this one. Since you and I are both transplants to the U.S., Mm -hmm. you know, you and I have often talked about what it would be like to move back to our home countries, Canada and Nigeria, or what it would be like to check out other countries and all the pluses and minuses that would be involved and how exciting it would be. And I mean, House Hunters International is legit my favorite show.
1: (laughs) I mean, who doesn't love HHI? <laughs> I mean, that is what the cool kids call it, right? As of right now?
0: <laughs> sure. Yes. Let's say, yeah. We have deemed it. <laughs> <Yes>.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's always been fun to think about exposing our kids to another culture and world travel. But then with COVID... We started hearing lots of chatter about moving abroad, you know, becoming a little bit more urgent and more serious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think people are thinking about a better quality of life, a better access to health care, effective governance. I mean, the list goes on.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, according to the U.S. State Department, there are approximately 9 million Americans living Mm. abroad. Though this number isn't exact because the census actually isn't required to count citizens abroad and because those citizens don't always register with their local American consulate. Mm
1: -hmm. But still, that's a pretty significant number.
0: Yes. Now, okay, let's play a game. Can you Uh guess, (laughs) Lonray? According to the website. Whenever
1: Lisa says, let's play a game. (laughs) Anyone who's known us will know Just hold on to your chair. Like crazy things are about to happen. At my wedding reception, we played games. That pretty much says what you need to know. All right. I'm ready. I'm ready. Ready. Okay. You're fortified. You have your coffee.
0: So, according to the website internations.org, what were the top 10 countries for expats of all nations to move to Hmm. in 2015?
1: Expats of all nations. Um, Oof. um, Australia, maybe the UK, China. Um, you know, a lot of expats in South Africa, Hmm. Mexico, beaches, weather. <laughs> <laughs> um, Japan, maybe. Yeah, what's on the list? I'm curious. <laughs> you got some of them. Okay, so the list is. Ecuador,
0: oh. Mexico, mm-hmm. Malta, Singapore, mm. Luxembourg, oh. New Zealand, Thailand, mm. Panama, huh. Canada, and Australia.
1: Wow! So I think you
0: you got half of those. I mean, are huh. there any that kind of surprise you or entice you?
1: <laughs> Luxembourg is surprising. Me too. It's such a tiny country. Right? I Aren't wouldn't... they full? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Like, they thought they would have reached maximum capacity right now. <laughs> interesting. Yeah. I mean, anywhere that's warm entices me. Mexico sounds
0: lovely. Wow. So I have to say Luxembourg kind of entices me. Yeah. Like the skiing. Yeah. yeah. You know, or moving back to Canada. Australia mm-hmm. would be awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. These are all. Yeah. We'll maybe we'll just try all 10 long. Yeah. Yeah. You know, exactly. Do a In t- our hiatus. Yeah. We'll send our families postcards. Right.
1: So cool. So and we'll link to that that stat about the top 10 countries in our show notes at hippocratichost.com. So like we said, all of those places sound awesome, but
0: the actual act of picking up and moving your whole life to another country can seem pretty daunting. Mm -hmm. I mean, where do you even start? So that's why we're happy to have international teacher and blogger Jennifer Stevens on the show today to tell us how she did it and what it was like. She's the voice behind the blog, Adventurous Appetite, and she's an American who has now lived and thrived in four new countries. She's a native Floridian who left the Sunshine State in 2009 to travel the world as an international school teacher. She's since lived in Seoul, Bogota, Shanghai, and now Romania, where she created the American International School of Bucharest's journalism program and student newspaper, The Bite. When she's not teaching, Jennifer's likely writing, taking pictures, cooking, eating, or spending time with her husband and rescue dog. From Romania, welcome Jennifer. Thank you, thank you for having me.
1: Thanks for being here. So tell us a little about your background and what prompted you to move abroad and to start your blog.
2: Well this is I believe my 11th or 12th year abroad. I didn't plan it to be (laughs) that long. Um, (laughs) This actually started off as well, I didn't I didn't actually know what it was going to be. I I moved abroad for the first time in 2009 at this kind of at the start of the economic recession that we had starting in 2008 in the United States. I'm originally from Florida. At the time I was a full-time writer for a publication. So I was writing for print magazines. Remember those? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> vaguely. I'm uh, I'm uh, dating myself a little bit, but I I kept seeing Desks open up and I was very aware that my time was was probably going to come to an end pretty soon. Mm-hmm. So I was trying to come up with alternate plans. Uh, I had really only been a writer. I had also done sales, but wasn't really interested in getting back into that uh, role. So I just said, why don't I teach overseas for a year? You know, I I can teach English. I, I majored in English and creative writing. So I had some friends who had taught in Japan right after college and contacted them, started looking at uh, some resources online, and decided to move to Seoul, South Korea, not knowing anyone there. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. And um, I thought I'd do it for a year and then see what the economy looked like and see if I could get another writing job. And a year went by really fast. And my director in Seoul asked if I would stay on another six months to graduate with the kids. And I happily signed on for another six months and was able to save up enough money to travel around Southeast Asia for a few months after that and met some international school teachers, which I honestly didn't know that job existed before mm-hmm. I, I <laughs> set off on this journey. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> you guys have how much time off a year and you're able to live abroad? And so I decided to move back to Florida uh, for a year and I got my teaching license and some teaching experience, and then I got a job at an international school in Bogota, Colombia, and since then I've lived in Shanghai teaching, and now I'm in Bucharest for my fifth year teaching journalism at the American International School here.
0: Wow, that's such an amazing adventure. You know, Seriously. I mean, I think to to most of us that sounds incredible. So, what would have been the biggest benefits that you you would say um, to living abroad in your eleven years?
2: Wow. Well, I have to first say, because my husband will listen to this, that the biggest benefit was meeting my husband.
1: Well done, <laughs> of course. All right, check. Uh,
2: uh, but actually, he is from Australia, so we could not have grown up uh, two farther places away from each other. Uh, so that is actually a benefit. Um the biggest and where did you all meet? We met in China. Okay. Uh-huh. We were actually working at the same school. And so Aww. he is from Australia, I'm from Florida, and our dog is from Shanghai. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, An international family. Yes.
2: Uh, but besides that, I will say that the first thing that comes to mind, in all honesty, is perspective. Um, yeah. The amount of perspective and understanding I have for people and for the world and for people's different experiences has changed me forever. And in, in the best ways, I am a completely different person than I was 11 years ago. Yeah. I also have developed a sense of patience that I don't think I would have had had I not lived in non English speaking countries. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think The list goes on and on, but the first thing that came up to me was
1: perspective. Which makes a lot of sense, right? I mean, I think in the U.S., we are fortunate in that it is a fairly diverse country, um, but people may not recognize that when you leave the U.S., there's so much more out there. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, Yeah, yeah. And people with different life experiences and, as you mentioned, kind of learning a new language so I wonder though, must not all have been rosy? What have been some of the biggest challenges that you've encountered?
2: Oh well, how long is this podcast? <laughs>
1: <laughs> as long Chapter as you nine. need. It. <laughs> uh,
2: my challenges have really been dependent on the country and how long I've been abroad. I mean, you learn so many different things with with time. I've been in some emergency situations. Uh, I've, you know, had trouble not understanding people when, when I needed to. Um, you know, challenges, kind of superficial challenges at first. I just was feeling like I was missing out on important events. You know, I mm-hmm. missed really important marriages and births and weddings and things that I really wanted to be a part of. And at first, that was probably my biggest challenge when I moved abroad mm-hmm. is just feeling sure. like... I'm missing out on all of these really important milestones. What if people forget about me? Mm -hmm. Mm. And now my challenges have kind of shifted. I would say teaching in general has been a a huge teacher for me. Uh, There are challenges every single day, especially when you're an international teacher, Mm. to make sure that you understand, first of all, where you're living, second, Um, you know the situation and context of all of these different nationalities they're in one room and how you Mm -hmm. teach something and how you understand where they're coming from you know a big challenge right now is what's happening in Ukraine is horrible and we're right on the border and this is again when I'm saying perspective it's I, I'm learning something new every single day you know we're seeing I'm taking some of my journalism students to the train stations and to oh, wow. uh to the government shelters and seeing mm. these refugees and I mean that in itself is a is an emotional challenge just to understand you know it's so different of from course. seeing the news mm. and then seeing it yeah in real life and then also understanding that some of my students are from Ukraine, some are from mm-hmm. Russia, some are from former yeah, Soviet powerful. states, right? And mm-hmm. um, then you also have to think the people that I work with, you know, even from Romania, the Cold War and communism didn't end that long ago. And mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of what's happening is causing kind of PTSD, you know, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so the challenges go on and on and on in just depending on what's happening and where you are.
0: Um, so I think mm-hmm. I could, that answer could be rather Irish. long. <laughs> no, but that's, I mean, that, that's really impactful. I think especially because at the time that we're recording this, it's a couple of weeks after the Russian invasion. And I think it's very, it's a, it's a really unique experience that you have that we can't necessarily, you know, have experienced ourselves here in the US. So I'm glad that you're able to share that. Do you have things in your in your uh, experience that didn't live up to your expectations? Because when we talk about moving abroad, it's often very romanticized. And it just <laughs> seems so glamorous and exciting. And maybe it seemed like that to you, too, at the beginning. I'm not sure. But are there things that you realized were maybe, you know, very Hollywood-esque and not, not the real moving abroad experience?
2: Yeah, of course. I thought that I was, like... Diane Lane and under the Tuscan sun when I moved abroad. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I'm like, I'm going to move abroad and everything's going to be beautiful and perfect. And of course, (laughs) yeah. uh, So, and I, you know, I have been lucky and, you know, I told you I met my partner abroad and I have had amazing things that have happened. I've, I've been able to go to over 50 countries and, you know, learn new languages and make amazing friends. But yeah, I, uh, something, you know, when I moved to Colombia, for example, I, I, you know, I had in my mind, you know, you imagine yourself in a certain way. So I would have dreams about me wearing these flowy skirts and dancing yeah. salsa every night. And, you know, which I did dance my fair share of salsa, but there you go. Uh, it wasn't every night, you know, I had to wake up early. Uh, For school, you know, traffic Mm -hmm. was horrible when I lived in Bogota and because of, you know, the general hot weather in Colombia, schools start early, even though Bogota Mm. is kind of temperate, it's kind of eternal spring. But I had to wake up at five o'clock in the morning. And so I was Mm -hmm. not out dancing salsa at night. (laughs) (laughs) Hardly ever, actually. And so, yeah, you do have these romanticized ideas of what your life is going to be like. And, you know, when we moved to Romania, we thought, wow, we're going to be in this medieval country full of castles (laughs) and all of this stuff. And it is like that, you know, but you also have to drive on one-lane highways, um, sure, and it'll it'll take hours to get there, and it's not your everyday. You know, your everyday yeah. is you go to work, you work at a, you know, you work yeah, at a sure. job, and uh, you have. Regular everyday conversations and experiences that you did back home, but then maybe on the weekend you do dance salsa in your flowing skirts and you do go to a medieval (laughs) castle, uh, but it's not every day, right? Sure.
1: Yeah. I mean, to that point, you know, I think some of the reasons that more Americans are considering moving abroad is, especially after COVID, is looking for like a better work life balance and maybe a better cost of living or lower crime, you know, have you found those to be true in the countries that you've lived in? Or other reasons that that, you know, you might think people might be looking to move abroad?
2: Yeah, it really depends on the country. Uh, And it depends on what you're doing abroad. You know, I'm, I'm a teacher. And I haven't always been a teacher. And so I think teaching in general, for me, I've always struggled with kind of that work-life balance because it's it's a service-oriented job and it's emotional. And so it's mm. really easy to take your work home with you. So I think those struggles are everywhere. It's not it's not an expat or moving abroad thing that you can escape from. So I think wherever you are in the world, you have to set your own boundaries. Uh, in terms of I think you mentioned cost of living for me personally, that is huge, and it mm. I have been able to save a lot more money than I could have if I stayed in Florida, especially now with so many people having moved down to Florida right.
1: mm-hmm.
2: i you know my partner and I have thought about the last few years moving back just you know to check in and be close to family. And honestly it's it's so prohibitive I can't I can't wrap my mind around moving back just for the sheer cost of health insurance alone, uh, getting right. a car, getting an apartment because when you're an international school teacher, not not all schools but most schools do pay for your apartments. Uh, okay. Uh, and so they pay for your healthcare, your apartment, mm-hmm. and there's incentives for for living abroad because uh, you know you do give up on being close to family and friends and mm-hmm, missing out sure. on things. Uh, so I've been really, really lucky in in that way of being able to save money because I haven't had to pay for necessities. Right. Um, but I will say, even without that built-in cost of living is is so for me has been a lot a lot cheaper even without health insurance because I have had to pay out of pocket and it's just it's night and day how much you would pay out of pocket in in every country I've lived in besides the states and you know public there's public transportation everywhere I've lived and that doesn't really exist as much in the states
0: no Um, Mm
2: -hmm. even here in Romania for example I'll if I get an Uber or a taxi to school, which can take 25 minutes, I live downtown and our school is a little bit north of the city. It'll cost me five dollars. Wow!
1: wow. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's incredible. Right.
2: Um, and you know, we live in—we're fortunate enough to live in a three-bedroom apartment right now in Bucharest in a really nice area where we can walk around, and our rent is a thousand euros a month.
1: Wow. Oh, my goodness.
2: Is there room for
1: two more? <laughs> Just asking for a friend. Uh,
2: perhaps, yes.
1: <laughs> Booking a flight right now. <laughs> um,
2: so, you know, it really depends on, though, where you're going. We live in Eastern Europe, which is less, ex- less expensive than most of Western Europe, depending on where you're going. Um, however, my partner and I lived in Shanghai, which is a really expensive city, depending on where you live in the city. Uh, our, we lived in a very, very small shoebox apartment. Thank God it was like at the beginning of our relationship when you're like <laughs> so in love and you want to be on top of each other. <laughs> um, but our rent was like two two 2.5 times more than we're paying now and mm. for a one-bedroom apartment, but... Okay. It was right in the former French concession. We could walk everywhere. And then, you know, oftentimes for dinner, we'd walk right around the corner and get, um, you know, we had this Uyghur noodle shop that we loved. And it cost less than a dollar for a bowl of noodles. So that was our dinner. And, you
1: know. and Amazing.
2: Yeah. And the same. Taxis were super cheap. Um, Healthcare Mm -hmm. was really inexpensive. And we biked everywhere. So, oh, yeah. it's those kinds of things really add up. Um, so, in my experience, yeah, the cost of living has been a huge reason why I continue to stay abroad. Right. Just because I wouldn't be in the position that I am now for retirement. There's no way. I don't think I would have saved any money if I had stayed. <laughs>
0: Yeah, no. That, I mean, that makes perfect sense. And so, for those who were interested before, but after hearing your answers you to the last question, are even more interested. Uh, you know, but they're but they're maybe unsure of of where to start or where to move to. What would you suggest in terms of that kind of soul searching? Like, what are the best ways to find out what countries are most conducive to the lifestyle or the culture that a person might be hoping to find?
2: Yeah, that's such a good question. It's so individual as well. So I think. The first thing I would do is do some journaling, you know, write down Mm. why are you wanting to move abroad, first of all? So is it to save money? Is it for adventure? Is it for, you know, to give your kids that kind of third culture kid experience where they're learning, you know, um, they're surrounded by different cultures and learning new languages. So at first I would identify why you're moving abroad and then... I would probably identify what your deal breakers are. So do Mm. you really want to learn a new language? (laughs) Um, If not, and that's okay. You know, some people aren't good at learning new languages. And so that would be a huge, a huge red flag if you were moving Mm. somewhere where no one spoke English, you know? (laughs) Um, So right there that, it really points to different places on the on the globe of, of where you could live just based on language alone. Okay. Um, then you'll want to look at experiences. So what are you going to do? Um, you know, if you're looking to teach English as a second language, uh, there are hotspots for that. You know, China has tons of jobs. I worked in South Korea yeah. that has a lot of those types mm-hmm. of jobs. So uh, that would be the next thing. But a lot of people who are moving abroad right now can work anywhere. You know, with the pandemic, it's taught us that a lot of us can work remotely. So in that case, right. it's just kind of what what kind of experience are you looking for? And you might look at a list of, you know, the best internet places in the world. Romania actually sure. has the fastest internet in Europe. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. wow. Who knew? <laughs>
1: um,
2: and so it's been a great place when we were... My partner and I were teaching online for a year, and it was amazing to have this really fast internet. Um, this has been a really easy place for us to live, so I think I think you need to weigh the pros and cons of easy versus experience or language mm. versus, you know, there's always something versus mm-hmm. something and right. it's never going to be a perfect situation. You know, like we were talking about that romanticizing, <laughs> um, uh-huh. you know, there's always going to be something. So I think it's just good to have a list of your non-negotiables and why you're
0: actually moving abroad. Mm-hmm. That's a great way of framing that. Yeah. I love that. Yeah.
1: I like the journaling idea too, I think, You know, people may have these, like, fleeting, exciting thoughts, but if you're forced to sit down and write the reasons, it really helps, I think, to crystallize that. That's great. Well,
2: yeah. And, you know, I bring up language because we romanticize that as well, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Sure. Mm -hmm. Because I know when I moved to Colombia, I, you know, I... I had a few phrases under my belt. I mean, I did not speak Spanish. And the school was like, that's fine. Uh, it was not fine.
0: Oh, what? Really? <laughs> it was not fine.
2: Um, you know, and the only other experience I had moving, uh, living abroad was in Korea. And the place that I lived in Korea, there was not a lot of expats. And so I looked very different. I looked foreign. And so... People didn't expect me to speak Korean. Um, I did learn quite a bit because I loved the food so much. And so, um, <laughs> and it's actually a pretty easy alphabet to, to learn and to be able to phonetically say. Good to mm-hmm. know. Plus having a Korean partner uh, was very helpful. <laughs> um, but I, I got used to being kind of quote unquote, the foreigner and not having that expectation to be fluent in the language. And when I moved to Colombia, you know, I, I could pass as Colombian, and I probably put this pressure on myself, no one else was really putting this pressure on on me, except for myself. But I just thought, since I wasn't kind of labeled as as the foreigner or seen, seen as such, I just felt so much pressure to learn Spanish really quickly. Mm -hmm. And, you know, learning a second or a third language in your 30s is different (laughs) than learning, (laughs) you know, when you're younger. And so, right. And (laughs) it's really exhausting. And so if you're going and working all day, and then coming home, and I was, I had a tutor a few times a week, and then you're trying to practice. And so, um, yeah, it was I don't. I don't even remember. Sorry, I went off on a tangent, but it was not uh, no, learning no, no, no. Spanish was not romantic. It is basically where I was going the thesis with the, statement. Yeah, the thesis. Thank you. The thesis statement of my long-winded answer was that no <laughs> um, it was not at all romantic. I was making the stupidest. Um, <laughs> You know, the stupidest <laughs> mistakes ever, and I was so stressed learning. Um, so my second year in Colombia was so much more enjoyable than mm. my first. Mm.
1: Yeah, it's so interesting. I think, you know, a lot of us, myself included, learn a second language, most commonly Spanish, ba- in our medical careers. And I agree, learning a new language in like your late 20s, your 30s is not, not as easy as when you're in a classroom, you know, five days a week, and then you're turning around and you were teaching in that language, right?
2: <laughs> no, it's... oh my god, no, no one would ever let me, uh, allow me to, to teach in Spanish. <laughs> but we did, <laughs> we did have after school meetings led in Spanish. Oh, and so, yeah. you know, you're constantly translating, and yeah. you don't realize how mm-hmm. much brain power is being used and how exhausted mm-hmm. you get yeah. just by doing that one thing. So I think it is right. important to think about language as a big part of where you decide mm-hmm. to move.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Sure. And I
0: mean, children, we know that their their you know minds are so elastic. We, I mean, we both wanted our kids in foreign language early for that reason, because I feel like that window kind of closes. Yeah. Oh, it that, does. Yeah. Like it's easy for a very short period of your yeah. life. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Again, that kind of goes with that cost benefit uh, thing when you're looking at where to move. Because if I had kids, I would love for them to be immersed in Spanish. Sure. Mm -hmm. Sure. Mm -hmm. And so that's really something to think about how many people in the world speak this language? Is this a language that my kid can can use for the rest of their lives? Mm -hmm. If so, it's it's really an amazing opportunity. Because as a teacher, you see that students learn languages faster if obviously they're immersed and they have friends Mm -hmm. who speak that language Mm -hmm. outside the classroom yeah
1: totally yeah 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 and you talked about finding a job you went from journalism to teaching and I imagine people who are thinking about moving abroad you know finding a job can sound really intimidating so what tips do you have for people who may feel like that move of a job may be just a major barrier for them
2: I got pretty lucky to be honest uh getting a job because I had no idea what I was doing. I <laughs> I was 28 and pretty happy go lucky. I was very naive, you know. I I told you that I've I've learned so much about the world and hmm. who I wanted to be with moving abroad, but when I first did, I I had no idea how the world worked and so I was like, I'm going to teach English and you know. <laughs> and now I realize that that in itself is a privilege that I come from an English speaking country and I had a college degree. Those were the only two prerequisites for me to te- teach English in Korea at the time.
0: Wow.
2: Yeah. And so I know that not everyone has that same privilege. So when I tell you my experience, it is just my experience. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that's going to be different for everyone, depending on your skills, your background. Um, But I will say that there are tons of different opportunities. And I think it depends how long you want to be abroad for as well. If you just kind of want to dip your toes in, you know, remote work is a great option, or even just, you know, there's house sitting or pet sitting that you can do abroad Mm -hmm. so there's so many things happening right now and and developing because of the pandemic and seeing that people are so much more international than we used to be that i think uh, options are are endless right now um this is actually going to be my last year teaching for a little while my partner and i are taking a year off i I hesitate to say off because we're still going to be working, but I don't even know what that's going to look like. So we're looking into digital nomad visas, uh, which are popping oh. up all over the place. Wow. Um, Mexico, for example, is a is a real spot for digital nomads. Um, also, Colombia, um, you know, anywhere there, where there's fast internet and good health care. Mm. Um, these kind of digital nomad hubs are are opening up. There's quite a p- few places in Europe as well, so that's something to look into. We're going to be doing um, international house sitting and pet sitting, uh, just so that we don't have to oh. pay for an apartment. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and so I think there's a lot of different things that you can look into. So I think I think the main takeaway from my again, long-winded answer, sorry, is uh, no, no, it's <laughs> great. is um, just being flexible and patient with yourself mm-hmm. and just realizing that moving abroad can look different for so many people depending on your expertise or background or privilege and just allowing yourself to take the time and if, you, if you're able to, you know, because there are a lot of ways that you can stay for free and mm-hmm. can kind of make this space so it's not as stressful to move abroad and then all of a sudden feel like you have to make a certain amount of money right away. Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. right.
1: That's really incredible. Yeah. For those who aren't familiar, <coughs> myself included, can you talk a little bit more about what it means to be a digital nomad? Like, how do you find these opportunities and, you know, how, what does that entail? What, what may your life look like a year from now?
2: That's a good question. I, <laughs> um <laughs> I have, I have no idea, uh, to be honest. I, I'm lucky because I've, I've always been a writer. So, uh, even though I've been teaching on and off, I have been keeping my portfolio active and writing online. So, my transition's going to be a little bit easier than my partner, who used to be a scientist and then he was an international science teacher. Hmm. So for him. I think he'll probably do online tutoring. Uh, he's also a really good photographer, so he might be looking at Airbnb experiences and, mm. you know, oh, wow. taking pictures for tourists. I mean, who knows? But, mm.
0: <laughs> um,
2: And I think we're both allowing each other that kind of time and space to figure things out. So mm. that's why we're looking into pet sitting and house sitting and looking at the longer Airbnb stays, which are usually half the price. Uh mm. just so that we're not
1: stressed about money, I see what it means you're untethered, yeah right? exactly to a location and you can work anywhere, yeah, that's um, exactly
2: what it means. I mean, I think that term is relatively new, or at least it was for me i had I had never heard of that um but basically, it just means that you're not exactly what you said you're not tethered to anywhere in particular, and you have the ability to work online and a lot of different countries, Romania included, are seeing this as a real opportunity to get long-term mm. tourists mm-hmm. um, coming in and bringing money into the country. So we're looking into Croatia as, as a place to plant our feet next year uh, initially because we have a car and we have a dog. And we thought, where's close enough that we can transfer our license plates and move over illegally mm. Um but we also know friends who are doing that in Portugal. Uh Lisbon is a real hotspot for digital nomads. And the reason being is again the the internet infrastructure, cost of living, the healthcare is really good there, but they also have these hubs, you know, like WeWork or mm-hmm. those yeah. types of um alternate workspaces. So, you can go and instantly have a community of like minded people or people who are doing the same thing, so there's a lot of networking
0: opportunities and these hubs it that uh, those are amazing, yeah. but I think another thing that people find intimidating about picking up and starting over is um is friends, you know building community and and you've done that in four different countries now. Do you have tips for for to for sort of helping that process along
2: yeah, so again i've I've been pretty lucky because I have been hired by schools and so, which can, can be a good, a mostly good thing, but it can also be negative because they become your whole life. So again, that work, Mm. a work-life balance kind of becomes tricky. So here, for example, we got hired at an international school and most of our friends are teachers there. Um, each place I've lived has been very different with who my main group of friends were, and it really depends on how many expats are in the city where you're moving, and then what kind of opportunities are there for you to explore your passions and meet like-minded people are, again, as language an obstacle. Um, so if you, not, if you are not in my kind of situation where you are being hired by a company and you kind of have that instant network of friends the way i've made friends around the world is in korea it was meetup.com i did a hiking mm. trip every weekend and just you kind of see the same people going and then you start talking to them and they kind of just become your friends uh because they're also looking for friends <laughs> right. Um, right. yeah so i think expats are usually it's in my experience, it's the easiest first place to make friends is people who are doing something similar to you and are also really needing that kind of friends who become family. Yeah, but I also think it's really important to make friends with locals as well. Otherwise, you're not getting the experience that is is so necessary and the reason why you move abroad in my opinion is for sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. To, to better understand the world and the people living in this world. So, um, for that, I think just following your passions and making sure you are doing stuff that align with uh, things that are important to you. Like, for example, joining a gym, if that's something that you like to do. And then again, you start seeing the same people come and you find your tribe. Um, Mm -hmm. Same with, you know, I mentioned salsa dancing. There were salsa dancing clubs in Colombia for people who didn't really know what they were doing or language (laughs) exchanges uh, are really good options because then you're working on your language skills and usually you're meeting maybe a local who wants to learn English. And so you can have this really fun, yeah, really fun relationship where, you know, you you guys go out to eat and... Those are some of my fondest memories is that's how I learned um, some Korean is going out for Korean food and just laughing and stumbling over the languages (laughs) and, you know, using Google Translate. And it's just it's a really nice, fun experience. And you become closer with those people faster than you would, uh, at least I have in the States. Um, I think Hmm. even romantic partnerships, I think, move for me at least, have moved faster than back home in Florida. And I think it's because it's that need to connect. Mm
1: -hmm. right?
2: Yeah, and need to form a family.
1: Thanks so much to Jennifer Stevens for joining us today and sharing her success story about moving abroad multiple times. Make sure to tune in to episode 41 for part two of our chat because she shares even more insight such as her experiences with health care and her advice for moving abroad with kids, which you don't want to miss. So for more on her life, check out her blog at adventurousappetite.com. And if you're thinking about whether a new country might be right for you, check out our show notes at hippocratichost.com for resources that can help. Thanks again for listening. We appreciate it every time that you tune in. Um, Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We would love if you could subscribe and review us on Apple Podcasts. And again, if you like what you're hearing, tell a friend about the podcast. Thanks, everyone. See you again soon for part two. Thanks for listening to Health at Home with the Hippocratic hosts. Remember that all views expressed here are our own, not our employers. And all content is for informational purposes only and should not be construed as medical advice nor the establishment of a doctor-patient relationship. Always consult your own physician or healthcare team for any medical issues.
0: If you enjoyed this episode, please rate us, subscribe, and tell a friend. And check out our website at www.hippocratichosts.com for show notes on this and all our episodes. Can't wait to chat with you next time.